what makes you angry. Uh, addiction. The demons of addiction make me mad as hell because um, I've watched them literally destroy the lives of people right here and and the uh, graphic nature of their struggle has has and continues to reveal to me um, the way they destroy me in ways that I don't even want to uh, to admit uh, the kind of hidden wound I think that's exposed by the flesh wounds that are out there for everybody to see uh, 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 I think it's it's been so important for me to have relationships with addicts because the honesty of the addict helps me to see that the addict is every one of us. And uh, the addict is me. And the demons of addiction are what's killing us uh, spiritually, personally, socially. Um, we are caught up in ways that just don't make any sense in all sorts of habits and practices that if you could sit back and think about them, you'd stop doing them, but you find yourself doing them over and over again. And, uh, and, and that gives me a sense of, of, of just how deep we are in a desperate situation uh, and how much we need a savior, um, which, is, uh, which is exactly what Jesus is. But I think if we, um, if we reduce <clears throat> Jesus to a kind of equation where uh, he's just the answer to some general sin problem, um, I don't know that we get that. At least I don't get it. I don't get it until, uh, until I realize how destructive addiction is in every one of our lives and that Jesus makes it possible for us to be set free from that. got a few announcements that I'm going to make and during that time the ushers are going to come around. Um, this is just an opportunity for us to, to give towards what God is doing in this uh, community and uh, through the life of the church here. Um, over the next several weeks we're going to be taking a look at some tough stuff. <clears throat> Things that make us, often make us very uncomfortable, especially in the church where we often come in with smiles on our faces and Sunday best on, and it's hard for us to name and wrestle with issues that are really hard for some of us to walk through. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, intermixed over the next couple weeks, we're going to be ta talking about uh, this morning, talking about addiction. Um, in a few weeks in November, we're going to be talking about depression and pain. 
and how we wrestle with that, how uh, we as a church can be real about that, not just kind of sweep it under the rug, pretend that it doesn't happen, but really um, provide space for those that are struggling through some of these things to come and, and to open up and to speak honestly about their struggles, and for the church to provide places that are safe to do that and provide a community of folks that can come around those that are struggling through uh, addiction, depression, um, pain, whether you know, pain is just like this huge thing, uh, whether that's physical pain that we're struggling with, and we ask, why God, why me, why now, uh, <clears throat> I'm a good person, why has it happened to me, they're a bad person, why doesn't it happen to them, you know, these are questions that we as humans wrestle with. And, and how do we provide space in the church for people to come and talk about that? As we come this morning, uh, would you bow your heads uh, for a moment of prayer with me? <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space, into this time, into this gathered body of people to be at work in our hearts to be moving in this place, and um, I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to be attentive to what you're doing in this time. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The video closed with the question, what are you addicted to? And uh, the guy that's talking in the video, his name is Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove. He talks about living in relationship with those who are addicted and how it reveals his own hurt, his own addiction, and his need for a savior. You know, oftentimes, we're really good at like pointing at other people and saying, they're addicted. They're addicted. And we have a lot harder time kind of raising up the mirror and asking the question, what am I addicted to? What am I struggling with? What are the things that it just, like, I have to have it. Somebody came through in first service and said, you didn't name chocolate. Man, I, we could, like, list a whole bunch of things. Coffee, uh, you know, that's, uh, I'm afraid I'm probably addicted to that. If I don't get coffee in the mornings, I'm pretty sure I haven't tested this too long. I'm probably going to get a headache. Um, and so I'll confess that up front. Jonathan lives in a place called the Rutba House. It's described as a house of hospitality for the formerly homeless to live in community with the formerly housed. The Rutba House is in Walltown. It's part of Durham, North Carolina. It's a traditionally low-income, working-class, segregated community. And for Jonathan, in the community that he lives with, uh, lives in, um, I think addiction can be very obvious and consequences of that addiction very public. We don't live in Walltown. We live in Hershey, the sweetest place on earth, right? Here addictions are often sugar-coated or covered in beautiful candy shells. Yet addiction remains very real in our community. It affects individuals, it affects families, it affects uh, co-workers, it affects the church. 
So I think it's something that it's hard for us to talk about, but we need to. I was looking up some information about addiction and the nature of addiction, and um, I came across the American Psychiatric Association and their description of what addiction is. And as I'm reading through this, I'm like, man, this is so much more than just describing what happens in addiction. This is what happens every day in my life dealing with temptation. It says, addiction is a complex condition, a brain disease that is manifested by compulsive substance use despite harmful consequences. People with addiction have an intense focus on using a certain substance, such as alcohol or drugs. That's what they're worried about. I think it's more than that. To the point that it takes over their life. They keep using alcohol or a drug even when they know it will cause problems. Yet a number of effective treatments are available and people can recover from addiction and lead normal and productive lives. People with a substance use disorder have distorted thinking, behavior, and body functions. Changes in the brain's wiring are what cause people to have intense cravings for the drug and make it hard to stop using the drug. Brain imaging studies show changes in the areas of the brain that relate to judgment, decision-making, learning, memory, and behavior control. It talks about how these substances can uh, impact the brain functions. These changes can have uh, long-lasting effects after the immediate effects of the drug. Intoxication is the intense pleasure, calm, increased senses, <coughs> or a high caused by the drug. Intoxication symptoms are different for each substance. And again, you know, alcohol, drugs, these are the ones that it's easy for us to name. What about ones that aren't as easy for us to name? I'm probably addicted to my phone. We pull it out, we need to check what's happening. You know, I haven't looked at it in two hours, and so there's probably somebody's life-changing event that's happened in that time, and I don't know about it, I'm not aware about it, I haven't been on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat to find out what has happened. And so we, 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 we laugh, but that, that's true for a lot of us. We have to be on those things. We, we, they're starting to study finally how addictive these screens can be in our lives. How about shopping? Some of us just have a need to spend money, and, it's, and, and in that moment, it feels good. It helps us de maybe deal with stress or, or other things that are happening. How about food? Some of us are addicted to food or not eating food. Addictions are caused by all kinds of factors. It's, for some, it's, uh, there's genetics involved. There's a predisposition towards addiction. It could begin using a substance in a way of escaping pain of some kind, whether that's physical pain or emotional pain. I think sometimes uh, in our culture, we just don't deal with pain well. I mean, there's good sides to the medical profession making advancements in pain medication that when we get a surgery, we don't have to deal with the pain. But I think the long term of that is we don't know how to deal with pain, physical pain, emotional pain, when it comes. 
Sometimes addiction can happen. Um, it can be formed through a legitimate use of a, a pain medicine after a surgery maybe. There's been a lot of a conversation about how opioids have been abused. Um, it starts off as a, a post-op painkiller and folks eventually become addicted to it. People that are good people, good Christian folks even, who wind up addicted. And now, unfortunately, in the church, there's shame in dealing with that, in naming that. You know, this morning, I'm not talking about whether addiction is right or wrong. You know, we often apply the motto uh, when we see something like this happening. We say, love the sinner, hate the sin. But we often settle for hating the sin and tolerating the presence of the person who's dealing with this, who's, who's struggling with this, who's in a really hard place and needs to experience the love of Jesus Grace and forgiveness and needs a community of people to come around them and surround them and walk with them and be a support system there. Not just for the moment, but, you know, addiction, people struggle with this for a long time, sometimes a whole lifetime. We in the church often want to, you know, like, we're there for like the moments, but we don't often walk with each other. We point out addiction when we see it in others. We condemn it. But like Jonathan said in the video, the addict is every one of us. And he says, the addict is me. And so in this Tough Stuff series that's going to be interspersed uh, with other messages, I want us as a church to name some of the hard realities of life. We often show up at worship on Sunday to celebrate, and that's good, that's great, that's, I mean, that's a part of what we're here for, to celebrate the victory of Jesus. We celebrate what Jesus has done in our lives and in the world, but too often we come with open wounds and, and scars ripped open and blisters, and you know, I've been reading a bunch of different passages over the last couple of weeks to get ready for this series, and if you read through like the Psalms, I mean, some of them are great celebrations, wonderful. You know, music is blaring and everything's happy and, and, and feels good. And then there's other psalms where the poets are like, God, where are you? I'm longing to hear your voice. I want to know that you're here. Where are you at? Read through some of the prophets. These are people who are bearers of the message of God and they're wrestling with their own self-worth and they're wrestling with doubt. And we're, we're going to look at um, a passage out of Jeremiah where he says, cursed is the mother who gave me birth. You know, like he's just in a very dark place. You read through the book of Job and you know, Job gets a little salty with God. You know, not everything. We often uh, highlight, we, you know, we say the big theme of Job is Job's faithfulness. But Job's faithfulness is couched in a lot of questions and doubt and, and some very frank and honest conversations with God and God being frank and honest with him back. 
think we are all addicted to something. For some, it's a, a substance, alcohol, tobacco, some kind of drug. For some, it's an addiction to a habit, pornography. But other addictions come in too. Food, shopping, Netflix. What are you addicted to? And I wonder if we're willing to name what those things are. Paul addresses some of the, the testing that happened for the children of Israel in our scripture this morning that John read out of 1 Corinthians 10. These people had experienced some of the most amazing acts of God in the Old Testament. They had been rescued out of slavery from Egypt. They, they've seen all, all the ten plagues. They've walked through the Red Sea. They get on the other side and they start complaining. And they start wishing they could go back. And they get hungry and God sends manna. That means what is it? They don't even know what it is. And they get tired of the bread, and so they say, can't we have some meat? And then God sends quail, and they get sick of that, and they're just moaning and complaining, and then they get thirsty, and God sends water from the rock. It's never enough. They quickly turn away from God. They're building idols. They're complaining. They're longing to go back to Egypt and live as slaves. And so Paul warns those living in Corinth, not to give in to the temptations the way the people of Israel had in the wilderness. And Corinth was no backwater town. Corinth was a wealthy trading city. It had access to athletic events and temples and all kinds of wealth. For our scripture uh, in verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Paul writes that temptation is common to all of us. You know, we give our lives to Jesus. We, we, we follow him in baptism. And I think sometimes we think this is going to be the end of temptation. It's not the end of temptation. Right? It's not like we follow Jesus and suddenly all temptations are gone. I think in a lot of ways they get more. Right? The demons come after you when you're trying to follow Jesus. I want you to also note that this text doesn't say God will never give us more than we can handle. We'll talk about depression and pain, and the things that people suffer through. But sometimes I think we, we do get overwhelmed, and we need the Savior then too. Here Paul is talking about, a tempta about temptation, and he says that God gives us a way out. Whether we choose to take that way out or not, sometimes we don't always choose that way. Right? The good news for those of us who are addicted and acknowledge it is freedom found in Jesus, the Savior. Sometimes those of us who are caught in cycles of addiction need to know and to feel the love of Christ. 
They need to be in a safe community where they can name their addiction and begin to move towards healing. And unfortunately, sometimes we in the church have been a hard place for people to feel the love of Christ or be able to name addictions and struggles because there's the fear of being condemned. So in, in naming some of our tough stuff that we deal with, I also want to name some of the things in the church that we have often failed to do. You know, addictions are a tough thing for those that are caught in cycles. There's, there's mental and physical bonds formed to the thing that we're addicted to. And those, those bonds are not just like easily cut overnight. Turning from addiction can be a long, hard process. We in the church sometimes have had a hard time walking with those who are in this process of healing. Sometimes we stigmatize folks who are dealing with addiction. And other times we provide feel-good, you know, pop Christian quotes and verses out of context that usually are more about making us feel good than making somebody else feel good. We don't know what to say, and so we, you know, throw out this verse. I think Jesus came to walk with those in pain. And when we see Jesus walking around with folks in, in the New Testament, people that the religious uh, elite, the religious scholars of the day called unclean, what does Jesus do? He touches them. He's going up, he's being with the folks that are on the edges, that are, that are struggling, that have been, been hurt, They've been wounded, they're suffering, and Jesus is going out and touching them and being with them and healing them and forgiving them. So the body of Christ now needs to be willing to walk the long roads with those who are addicted, with their family, with their friends. One other group that I was looking at some information this week is uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, uh, which is, um, it's a parachurch organization. I mean, they, they work within the church, and uh, if you go on their website and look down over their 12 steps, I, their spirituality is woven throughout that. There's a lot to be learned about addiction, temptation, and struggling with sin day in and day out by looking at their 12 steps. And that first one is to admit that we are powerless over addiction. Our lives by ourselves are unmanageable. That we need to admit and name what's happening in our lives. And I didn't say that's the first step. And that's the hardest step. It's so hard for us to be self-reflective and look and see what's happening which is another reason why we need the body of Christ around us. Because sometimes we need some folks to say, Adam, what, what are you struggling with? What's happening in your life? The second one is to believe in a power which we know to be Jesus, greater than ourselves, who can restore our sanity. Three, make a decision to turn our will and lives over to Jesus. Four, take a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I love the wording of that. 
searching and fearless moral inventory, about being honest about who we are and what's going on in our lives. Four, uh, sorry, five, admit to God, ourselves, and a brother or sister the nature of our wrongs. And here's where the church needs to be a safe place, not a place that it's like, did you hear what so-and-so's doing? Did you hear what they're struggling with? I heard. Did you see who they were with last night? That's not a safe place, folks. It's not a safe place. We need to be a safe place, a safe group of people who loves and cares. Number six, become ready for God to remove our defects of character. Seven, humbly ask Him to remove our failures. Uh, steps eight and nine are about being reconciled with those who, have, who we have hurt in our addiction. Ten is to continue to admit and confess our shortcomings. Because temptation, sin, addiction, this is not just like once and done with. It's not just like over all of a sudden. Eleven, pray to know more fully the will of God. And twelve is about sharing this with other addicts. I think it's more about proclaim to others the good news of a wonderful Savior that we've experienced. Admitting and confessing is a hard place for all of us to be. Even though we have all sinned, when you're in that place and you feel like you've got, you know you've got something going on in your life, you're struggling with addiction, you tend to feel like you're the only one there. Like it's only happening to you or to your family. This morning, I want to name that all of us are struggling with some kind of addiction to something. Paul dealt with the temptation to keep turning back to his old life. And he, he, he writes about, you know, I don't want to do this, but that's the thing I keep turning to do. And the thing I, I, I want to do, the thing that I really know that I should be doing, this is what I find so hard. And I read that and I say, amen, Paul, me too. Addiction comes in many forms, and temptation comes to everyone, but God gives us a way out. And the church is supposed to be a support system to hear confession, to offer forgiveness and grace, to walk with people on long roads to healing and wholeness. And so this morning, we're going to spend some time praying for and with one another. Because I've said the church needs to be a safe place. We need to be praying for and supporting one another. And I don't just mean like n later. I mean now. So the praise team is going to come up. And uh, we're going to sing. And we're going to kind of come into uh, a space of praying for and with one another. And uh, praise team, you can come on up as I'm giving some further details here. I want to offer us some time this morning to pray with those who are dealing with cycles addiction. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're walking with someone, a family member or a friend who's suffering with an addiction. And if you're willing, after the song's over, I'd love to ask you 
to raise your hand and let us come around. Um, Pastor Janet and I have um, anointing oil, and we would love to just come and anoint you for that walk, for that journey, that struggle that you're a part of, and to pray with you. And for you to know that the body of Christ is, is there for you and is walking with you. Paul writes in Romans to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those that mourn. We're often good at the rejoicing part. We're not always as quick to be about mourning with those who mourn. And today we want to do that and we want to work at bearing each other's burdens. And so I invite you to rise in body or spirit right now as we come into a place of prayer this morning.